Hello and welcome to another DOS Game Club podcast episode. Uh, it's number 58 and we're going to talk about the game we played in, well, it says April here, but that's not right, is it? I think it's this May. This is the game we played in June. June? Oh, I yeah, think, June. or May. Yeah. June. I'm, I'm June, confused June, now. June, June. <laughs> June. I think it's June. <laughs> I'm sure it was June. Right. It's, it's, we're recording so. in July, so it must have been June. Exactly. So there's a mistake in the notes. Okay. okay one job. So so this is the, the third installment of the year of the adventure game, isn't it? Best year. Uh, yeah, we started with Dave the Tentacle, and then we did Lost Eden. And now this is the third one. Uh, this is Simon the Sorcerer from 1993, developed and published by Adventure Soft in the UK. So yeah, that's, that's the game. Uh, and of course, I'm Tyne, uh, Martijn, and I'm not going to talk about this game all by myself, uh, because assisting me, he's back, it's our trusty co-host Florian. Hey, hey. Hey. Yeah, good to have you back. Yeah, it feels, feels great to be back. It's no fun. Yeah, I, I missed it. I missed it last time. There you go. And I think we had some fun with Simon, right? Oh, lots of I fun. I mean, we did lots. the playthrough. Yes, that, that was cool. So, more about that later, but yeah, that's fun. Uh, and also, returning, recurring character on the show is Richard. <laughs> Hello, yes, back again. Yeah, or or pics on the forums, right? Yeah, that's it. Always uh, uploading magazine uh, scans. Yeah, I feel, I feel obligated to do it now. I've been doing it this long every month, I think. So. I, I, we're really happy with it. I mean, it's a great... Yeah. I love reading these old magazines. I, I think I enjoy reading them now more than I did back <laughs> then when they were new. Yeah. I think that this is also why your name is probably the most mentioned name on the show after Tyne and me. So mm, Yeah, probably. In most shows, actually. <laughs> I've been on a few now, that's for sure. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and and this is another adventure game. I mean, that's one of your favorite genres, right? So Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And and I think you also uploaded another magazine review of this one. I mean, I'm sure this game was all over the magazines, especially in the UK. Yeah, so as well, I've definitely got a few reviews and the sequel as well. So I guess we'll get to them at the end. Yeah, exactly. But but let's start at the beginning first. That's a, a very good place to start. <laughs> Dear Simon, I am pleased to announce that you have been chosen from literally hundreds of hopeful candidates to perform a death-defying but extremely worthwhile quest for which you will be rewarded quite a lot. All you have to do is rescue me from the hands of the evil sorcerer Sordid. Feel free to use my extremely valuable spellbook and dog to assist you. Look forward to seeing you soon. Wish you were here. Love and kisses. Calypso, Grand High Wizard of the Village of Fleur de Lis. P.S. Before you can use the spellbook, you must become a wizard. There are some wizards hanging around in the local tavern who can help you. P.P.S. Use this magic postcard and map to help you. Oh, great. I'm stuck here in this stinking world in these stinking clothes and not a pizza bar in sight. Lucky this is just a dream or I'd be really worried. Have you got any hint books for this game? Sorry, sold the last one five minutes ago. I've got lots of other stuff, though. Is this some sort of freak show? I don't know what you mean. Talking about us, idiot. When I move my mouse pointer over you, it says wizards. Oh, fair enough, I suppose. Disguises off, lads. 
What the hell is that thing? That thing is a sousaphone. It's a musical instrument. You could have fooled me. What's in this stuff? Ancient secret recipe. Can't tell secret ingredients. Step one, swamp mud, very important ingredient. Mud? And you expect me to eat this? Well, nobody likes swamplings cooking no more. I spent hours making stew and then have to throw it. No one comes to eat here now. <laughs> All right, mate. All right. What's the password then? Uh, Abacus? No. Try again. Uh, Abby? No. Try again. Uh, Abdomen? No. Try again. Uh, Abbott? No. Try again. Uh, Academy? No. Try again. Uh, Accent? No. Try Right. As mentioned, it's the year of the adventure game. Uh, and this is why we're playing a lot of adventure games this year. Well, six. Um, well, that's out of 12. So that's <laughs> half of the games, right? So that's a yes. lot. Um, yes, yes. I, I seem to remember that you suggested this game, Florian. Am I right? I may have. Um, I couldn't I'm find it on the, on the forums. Sure. I had been looking an, at our game suggestion forum, but I couldn't find it. So maybe I just didn't look. But Let's see. Maybe I moved it to the um, accepted suggestions. Oh. No, it's not in there either. Well, let's, let's just assume I, I suggested it. That's what I remember anyway. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's probably true. I, I think it's a game you wanted to play. Do you know why? Did you? I, I, <laughs> well, I've, I've started it a couple of times before. But I, I don't know, maybe, maybe without the club, I, I wasn't motivated enough to, to dig really into it. Mm. And well, I, I now realize that was probably a mistake because it's a quite fun game. So yeah, I, I mean, this is one of the, of the games I probably tried it when it came out, but never really, really got deeply into it. So mm. yeah, touched it a few times afterwards, but never, never really, really managed to get very far. So right. Yeah. Yeah, it does help. I think it helps in general with adventure games to have other people involved and then you can bounce off when you're stuck, you know, bounce off ideas. Yeah. And, yeah. My, my my gaming friends of the time, um, the few that they had, they, they didn't really have the patience for, for adventure games. So mm. I, I probably, you know, I, I didn't have either. So <laughs> that's, that's fine. <laughs> yeah. And, and it was quite difficult to get hold of a walkthrough or hints or guides or anything. So you were just basically stuck. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So So did you... When did you first get this game? I'm not entirely sure. It must have been a few years after it came out. So, yeah. And did you did you buy it or? Well, let's... Uh, <laughs> you just uh, had it. <laughs> uh, I, I need a lawyer before I can answer that question. <laughs> uh, let's, let's be honest. I didn't, I didn't own it back then. I own it now, but I didn't oh, right. own it. That's, that's nice. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. I've redeemed myself. Exactly. I, I sort of have the same experience, to be honest. I... I thought I had never played it, but then I started it and I did recognize some of the music and some of the first screens. So 
I guess I did play it. I never made any real progress. So I, beyond the first few screens, I had never seen any of this game. So, and I don't remember buying it or owning it ever, like in a box or anything. So I don't know. I must have found it somewhere, uh, dabbled a bit in it. That's it. I was aware of the game, but I also confused it with Discworld. So because that's another game that I didn't really play. And it's sort of the same thing, isn't it? Yeah, it looks similar. Yeah. I guess things are different for you, Richard. Yeah, I think I've probably mentioned it on here a bit already, but I've played a ridiculous amount of my time. I was spent in my student years playing PC games. So that's good. <laughs> well, it's good if you don't mind getting a decent degree. <laughs> but, <yeah. laughs> but I remember one of my ass mates in my second year borrowed this off one of his mates, and I borrowed it off him. And this, there was enough space on the CD that I could actually copy it onto my hard disk and play it off of that. So this, oh, so this was sneaky. Well, yeah, this was the first, <laughs> so this was the first CD game I ever pirated. I think technically. Oh wow! Although of course, by when I'd finished it, I had to dump it off because I'd never been for anything else back then. <laughs> yeah, because the game is mostly like the CD mostly contains the voice files. I think. Uh, because the, there's also a floppy version, right? Yeah, I think it's literally the floppy version with voice, isn't it? Yeah. So, and I also think they they ditched the uh, copy protection for the CD version. Um, well, there wasn't any that I was aware of, anyway. So, yeah, well, the floppy version does have some, but okay, I think they removed it for the CD because surely nobody can copy, you know, <laughs> 400 megabytes. That's no, that's. That's ridiculous. Why was it? It was a lot smaller than that, thankfully. <laughs> My hard disk wouldn't have been that big back then. Right. I was just guessing. <laughs> yeah, but I, I guess no, nobody had networked computers. So No. And, and just copying, I mean, passing hard disks around, that seems a bit... No. Seems a bit complicated for the time. I mean, you, you didn't just plug in a USB drive. You just had, you actually had to move the hard disks around and, and install them. And, yeah. Yeah, there were, there were loads of early CD games which didn't have any copy protection because... Well, CD copying was just not a thing yep. yet. So, yeah. Just like our February game, right? Day of the Tentacle, same thing. Mm. The floppy version had, yeah. had this, this cool copy protection and the CD version didn't. Mm. What, what's, this, what's the copy protection like in Sound of the Sorcerer? Uh, I have to look that up because I don't actually know. I think it's picking something from, from the manual, probably. Uh, boring, boring stuff. So. Um, I'm seeing something about a compass. What's this then? Copy protection compass. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, probably not so important. No, it's it says here the there's a 30 page manual included the copy protection compass codes. So uh, where some symbol appears on page 14. So, so yeah. I, I guess the game starts with a symbol or something. I I have no idea. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know why they bothered with them anyway. You could just <laughs> write them out in five minutes, couldn't you? Let's face it. <laughs> exactly. Maybe they were relying on gamers' laziness. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, doesn't matter. Um, so you mentioned Dave's Tentacle, which is a LucasArts game. The, the similarities don't end there, do they, with LucasArts games? I mean... It could have been a LucasArts game almost, this one. Well, it's, it's, it's got the interface. It's, it's not quite the quality level of a LucasArts game, but I think it, it tries to, to, to have the same virtues, maybe. Like, you cannot die and stuff like that. 
Mm. I'm sure I remember reading in a magazine at the time that they were saw a gap in the market with LucasArts not turning out more Monkey Islands, right? And decided to just fill the gap themselves. It it does very much feel like a British Monkey Island, basically. Well, and and it's obviously not pirates. It's it's with wizards, and it's I, I'd say a good way to to explain this game to someone who's not familiar with it is it it's british monkey island with wizards yep i think that's that's yeah. a good way to sounds about it. right yeah <laughs> it's got more or less the same interface right with the verbs at the bottom and the the inventory with icons and yeah some it's some some kind of weird yeah. verbs in the verb list at least if when when you're coming from monkey uh, from 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 lucasarts adventures yeah, a few are a little different, but they're not spectacularly no, different. No, no. You know, it's not like what like like con- consume. If if you've played Lucas games, you know what's going on. Yeah. So so when was the first time that you actually played it for real and completed it? Then was it was it in college, Richard? Yeah, well, I'm pretty sure it must have been back then. I had the time. Let's face it. So. <laughs> So, yeah, I think it's probably one of the... I probably haven't played that many talkie adventure games at that point. I'd only just got my first CD drive, probably. Hmm. So it's definitely a novelty. Right. And the hum- I think the humour probably just about right for student humour back then as hmm. well. For sure. So, very British, slightly cruel, shall we say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a great fit for, uh, you know, a young person. And I assume you have a boxed copy now. Yeah, I think I think I've got three copies of it in one form or another now. <laughs> wow! There's a they came out with a jewel pack as well, which I ended up I ended up picking up one of them somewhere, and then I saw another one that had a t-shirt in it, and I thought I've, I've got to have that as well. So I got I got ended up with three. Uh... <laughs> wow! Is is the pack like uh, containing other Simon games as well? Yeah, it's it's got but t- t- first two in. Mm. So I think I think they still sell it on the on the website. I don't know if you get the box or not, but that's true. I saw that the the original or original. I don't know if it's original, but look, it looks very old. The AdventureSoft website. Because I know for years and years, it's one of the, it's back when I got into start getting into collecting all these things. It was you could you could still go and buy it from them like years after everyone else had ditched big boxes. <laughs> yeah. That's amazing. So I don't, for, for all I know, they might still have a few left. But It does say, if you go to their website, it's adventuresoft.com, and it looks like a 90s website. Yeah, it looks exactly like... I, I bought, I'm sure I got my copy of the first game from them, and it looks exactly the same as when I bought it, and that was probably 15 years ago. <laughs> That's amazing. And it, I mean, if you look at the website, you, it looks like they just sell you a boxed copy, so... It it has all the, the the original system requirements, a 386 and four megabytes RAM. It's ten pounds, so it's quite a good deal, probably for a boxed copy. Well, yeah, that doesn't sound bad if it is boxed. Yeah, <laughs> brand new as well. <laughs> yeah, it's amazing. So let's see. We have explained the game a little bit. Uh, was this the first time that you played it for real, then, Florian? I I think it was right. Yeah, I mean, mm. I've probably tried tried it a few times, as I said, but I never really got very far in the game. So mm, exactly. I think I may have explored the village and and ended there. So <laughs> I, I think I never even saw the forest before. So. Yeah, same same here. Right. Uh, sadly, I have to skip over the voice message section. I want to mention it though because I I really wish people would send us voice messages. So we didn't get any for Simon. 
but but if you do have thoughts on the games we're playing or any thoughts on DOS games in general or the podcast, please please send a voice message. It's fun to hear from people who are listening to this. So uh, yeah, you can email them to club at dosgameclub.com and just, you know, record something using, I don't know, your phone or whatever. Send it and, and we'll include it. So that's a fun thing to do. And I think people should do that. Yep. Right. So with that out of the way, yes, I, I think it's 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 worth mentioning that this will probably be a spoiler-heavy episode. Again. Yeah, like all the um, adventure game episodes, because we cannot talk about the the game without talking about the story. Yeah, and we can't talk about the story without talking about the puzzles. So yeah. that's that's totally true. So if if you're into comedy '90s Lucas style adventure games and and you want to play Simon and you haven't, just stop now. Go play it. Go have fun. But come back. But come back. And then from this point on, we'll just discuss the story. Although actually the premise of the story, that's that's not containing any spoilers because that's just the start of the game. Yes. Um, I think a large part of this is in the manual, actually. Although the game sort of summarizes it as well. It has some sort of intro, but it's a bit vague, I think. And I think the manual has more details. Yeah. Um, I glanced at it. Yeah, there's a bit of backstory. It seems to the game seems to start where the manual ends, if anything, in terms of backstory. Yeah, yeah, because there's this whole there's this whole story about a boy named Simon celebrating his twelfth birthday in the manual. This is, and and there's some terrible magician, and and he wishes at some point Simon at one point wishes the magician to go away and and to have a dog instead, and then. Suddenly, a dog does appear at his door with a magic spellbook. And I think the manual goes on to describe that the, the spellbook is stored in the, in the attic. And one day, the dog goes up to the attic, starts barking. Simon takes out the spellbook and a portal opens to some magic world. This is also sort of in the intro, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's where the intro starts. So Yeah. I think Simon is this... Um lying on his bed and he's he's bored and he's actually planning to torture the, the poor dog for some reason. <laughs> like 14-year-olds do. That's terrible. So, That's <laughs> So yeah, I, I think he said he wants to put him in the in the dryer or something. In the washing machine. Washing machine or, or the dryer yeah. or something. <sighs> but happy, luckily that never happens. So That is good. And what does happen is, um, actually Simon is sort of tortured because he goes through the portal and then he's taken... Uh, a captive by goblins, I think, or or actually goblins plan to capture him. It's not really explained well, is it? Well, I think he just doesn't. He just drop into their their um, into their pot. Yeah, they're trying to do a spell to conjure up food, aren't they? And he just sort of appears on this sort of big stone slab, <laughs> and then they decide they decide that he's must be the food, yeah. and, they, and stick him in a pot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but then Simon escapes. Uh, and he runs off and he, he he reaches the house of the wizard Calypso. Mm-hmm. That's really the point where the game starts, I would say. It's where you first have control, I think, right? Yeah. So you're you're in this house. It's an empty house, actually. Uh, the wizard Calypso is missing. He's not, he's not there, but he has left a note. And the note implies that he actually had sent for Simon. So, I don't know. All of this was planned somehow. <laughs> Long time ahead. <laughs> uh... And, well, uh, the the wizard Calypso is missing and he wants Simon to go and fetch him, rescue him, uh, something. Uh, and it's it's the, the evil wizard Sordid who is behind all this, right? I think that's mentioned in the note as well. Mm-hmm. I think there's some instructions to go to the local 
in. No. Uh, see the other wizards there. No, uh, yeah. Are they actually mentioned? I, I know that there's um, that he gets the mission to become a wizard, just like like Guybrush has to become a pirate. But yeah, yeah, because the only way I think the only way that Simon can use the spellbook again really is for him to become a wizard first. Right. Yeah, I, th- I think he gets instructions, if I remember right. It's just kind of a Monkey Island parallel, isn't it, with the pirates in the bar? Yeah, very much, very much. It's it's more or less the same thing. It's it's this normal kid who wants to be a wizard and has to see the wizard council in the inn, and they will give him some kind of task. And if the if he completes this quest, then he will become a wizard. It's it's exactly the same as Monkey Island's yeah. original premise, where you're Gaibas Threeboot and you want to be a pirate. And yeah, it's essentially the same sort of thing. Well, that, well that, that at least you know why you want to become a, uh, a wizard. In Monkey Island, I don't think you have a reason to become a pirate other than you want to be one. Mm, that's true. Yeah, so in this case, you want to defeat the evil wizard Sordid and, and fetch or rescue the good wizard Calypso. That's the whole reason... <laughs> you go into this world. And that's where the game starts, right? I mean, that's just where it 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 just says, well, you you go for, figure it out from here. Yeah. So I think that's where the hints sort of stop on what to do. Yeah. And then you leave the house and you're suddenly dropped into a huge world. <laughs> it's like, it's... <laughs> I, I don't think I've ever played an adventure game that has a similarly large world. Mm. At least not accessible from the start. I mean, other games have very, very um, expansive worlds as well. But here you can go almost everywhere right from the start. Yeah. Yeah, it, it blocks a couple of areas off, I think. But yeah, it's, it, it's a... Yeah, but, but most of it yeah. is accessible. It's really overwhelming. Yeah. I think this is maybe the reason why I never made any real progress before. I think it totally pays off to actually draw a map. Totally. I mean, there's 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 an in-game map that le- lets you get um, to some hotspots, but all the spaces between that you you really need to fill out on a, on a paper map, preferably, and that that really helped me in the end to actually navigate and and find stuff I was looking for. Yeah, it's really easy to get lost as well. I mean, you can remember seeing. I don't know, the tuba player, but do you know where he Susan actually is? Because yeah. this is a See? massive forest. And... <laughs> yeah, Susan Fan, whatever it was. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, the, the village, is, is, you can probably memorize the village. That's, that's how much, maybe 10 screens or something like that? Yeah, probably less. But the forest, yeah. that's, that's, I don't know, 30, 30 screens, that's, that's my estimate. Yeah, it's something really like big. Yeah, it, it is big. Most of the play, I mean, you have to find the locations before they appear on the map as well, don't you? So it just doesn't mm-hmm. make life easy for you. Mm-hmm. You kind of have to yeah. explore it all. Yeah, yeah. So uh, that, that's where where a paper map really helps because then you you can just mark where you where you have some some paths that you haven't tried, and that eventually helps to discover everything in the world. Yeah. Otherwise, you you may just end up running in circles and or, or missing the same. The same fork for sure over and over again and yeah and this also helps with just how overwhelming it is it helps to you know if you map it out then it gives you a sense of okay there's this section and there's this section and i i need to help this and and it, actually it's sort of the game is is quite difficult at the start because it's just so large and you don't know you, there's so many options you don't know what to focus on mm-hmm. it, it sort of almost gets easier as you go yes yes uh, i think we're going to talk about that later but mm. In fact, the beginning, as you said, is very overwhelming. And then once you think now, now comes the hard part, that's actually when it gets a lot easier. <laughs> yeah. 
exactly. That's that's a surprising twist. <laughs> yeah. So if if we start at the village, it's a it's a pretty typical village, I would say. Um, there's the tavern or the inn. That's 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 where the wizards are. I think that's probably the first goal uh, you're going to. Uh, if you go there, you pass some other. You pass the blacksmith. You pass the the guy in the market, the the salesman or something. Yeah, dodgy geezer or whatever they call him. Yeah, the dodgy <laughs> the dodgy geezer indeed. Uh, and he. It, it's not, I mean, he's trying to sell you something, but he also buys things. So it's it's a bit of a weird importing, exporting, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, though, though there's nothing you can buy from him, him no. or anything that you can sell him at that point. No. So. <laughs> there's a shop as well, which I think you pass on the way, or maybe it's somewhere else, I don't know. Depends which, which route you take. There are several routes. Exactly. There's multiple ways to traverse the village. Uh, eventually, you end up in this tavern, and it's it's sort of similarly laid out even to Monkey Island, right? With this yeah. front section with the bar and then the back section where the wizards are. Yeah, absolutely. The quest is less, it's less direct, or, or how do you explain this? I mean, in Monkey Island, they give you three trials and you can immediately try to figure these out. Yeah, well, but I think that's, that's, that's more or less similar in, in Simon, because they tell you, hey, to become become a wizard, you need to have a staff that is six foot long, six feet long, and, and it has a gem at the end. And But you can't actually do this. I mean, it takes many, many hours and many, many puzzles <laughs> later before any of this actually becomes relevant. Yeah, it's not like you can aim at it, is it? You don't yeah. have enough information to even know what you're aiming at. Yeah. Yeah. I think that that's a, that's a big problem with the game, actually, because in other games, in Monkey Island, you usually know why you are doing stuff. But in some of the Sorcerer, I was often doing things because I could do them. Mm. And I, I never really, or in many cases, I didn't really know why I was doing them until much later. So I, I don't know. If you play a lot of adventure games, it's sort of in the mindset that you just go around solving these sorts of things anyway and don't worry about it. Yeah. You just kind of get ahead of things. Yeah, yeah sure. sure. Yeah, yeah. But that's, that's, that's a good thing about, about LucasArts Adventures, or at least the later ones, that you usually, you know what to do and you know where the obstacle is and you know, you can use logic more or less to to get get over it, but in this game you have to do lots of things and just have to have to try what's possible. And there's not often a logical connection, like um, like things with the um, with the barbarian and and the troll. That's like hmm, you're helping the barbarian, but but you know don't know why. That, that's probably the first puzzle you actually solve, I think, right? That's that's like the that's what the first thing that I felt like was an accomplishment. Like okay, I'm making progress. I'm not I'm not sure why, but I'm doing something. I'm <laughs> you mean helping the barbarian? Yeah, yeah. And then but... <laughs> and then having him take care of the bridge troll. Yeah, I felt that makes sense. That's sort of a mm-hmm. yeah. That feels like progress. Yeah, but I mean, even if you get to the to the to the troll, you have no way of knowing that you have to help the barbarian to get past him. No. No, there's there's no logical connection. So you have to help the barbarian, and even then, it's it's still a bit a bit weak. The link, maybe. Mm. So it's just there to be a puzzle. The whole game is just a big puzzle to solve. Uh, sh- shall, shall we explain this puzzle? Because we're talking about it, but I guess most listeners, oh, well, by, by by now they have played the game. So we can just... <laughs> but it's also really, uh, I mean, it's it's a barbarian with something stuck in his foot or something. I think. Yeah. And like you help I think him. he has a spike or a thorn or something yeah. in his foot. And you help him. Well, you, you help him. And he gives you a whistle or something. Mm-hmm. And it's like, if you ever need any help, just blow the whistle. 
And I think for a good chunk of that first part of the game, it's it's pretty much the only object you have that's any <laughs> of any use. Oh, well, there's there's some other things that you can pick up yeah. earlier. Like um, there's some things at the blacksmith and. But yeah, and then finally at the bridge stall, you you blow the the thing, and it it comes and helps and take care of the bridge stall. It's yeah, it's it's a it's a kind of obvious type of puzzle for this kind of fantasy fairy tale world, I guess. Yeah, I reckon it starts you off, doesn't it? I think it's a gentle start. Yeah, I guess that's the purpose that it serves. It's just to give you a feeling of how to make progress in this game. Hmm. But a lot of other stuff is is. I mean, there's stuff with woodworms, and there's a paleontologist that you help out, and there's a woodcutter, <laughs> and you don't really know why you're helping out any of these people or what you're doing, or you're just carrying things around because you can. And yeah, yeah, it's a it's a point and click experience. Yeah, yeah but that's that, that's that's <laughs> the RPG my... mindset, really, right? You get you you get a quest and you solve it. it. It's 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 not bad, is it? I mean, I. Generally, didn't have a whole lot of expe- expectations going in, but I, I, I thought it was all pretty well done. Yes, some of the puzzles um, they are a bit weird, like getting into the wood storage oh, in the woodcutter's yeah, yeah. um, house. That was pure luck that I found it, and there's there's no way you you can know it. Is that? Um, I, I think first you have to help him get an axe or something, or I don't know, something... Yeah, you have to get the mill with mm-hmm. the right. anagram of mill, mithril or whatever. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, there's there's loads of Lord of the Rings references, I think. Well, not, not, not a real reference, really. It's just yeah. mocking, a th- mocking, a thing, mocking. A thing from Lord of the Rings in it. Um, but this woodcutter, once you've helped him, you, you're allowed into his house, right? You're not really allowed into the house. He just leaves <laughs> and then you just enter. Well, he leaves and this this unblocks yeah. the door. Yeah. That's really, yeah, exactly. Well, in adventure game terms, this means you're now allowed in. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, it, it turns out he has this secret wood storage below his house. Yeah. It's pure. There's no hint, I think, in no. the game at all. Yeah, you have to put out the fire with a fire extinguisher, don't you? That's the part that you can actually still come to with with some some thinking. Mm-hmm. But then you actually have to um, turn like the hook yeah. on, on which he has his, his pot or something. And uh, there's no way to know that, I think. Yeah. Maybe, maybe the owl, maybe the owl says something about it, but even that I'm, I'm not sure about. There is an owl in the game which dispenses hints just at random. I, I think the owl serves no other purpose than than to be of s- slight help. Yeah, did it actually help you guys? Because I no. definitely don't remember it helping me. <laughs> they helped me uh, get get rid of the tuba thing, actually, or the sousaphone, I should say. Oh yes, it says um, melons and and sousaphones uh, don't don't go together. Or something yeah. Like that. Oh really? <laughs> yeah, that is that wasn't the most obvious no. uh, puzzle that one thinking about. Yeah. That's another one of those more or less random puzzles. You know, for, for some reason, this one was super obvious to me. I don't know why. <laughs> what? <laughs> it was like, you, so in, in this puzzle, you, you have to obtain a melon and there's this this musician, a, a sousaphone player, and he's annoyingly loud and he blocks... I, I, what's he blocking? Is he blocking off the way or something? Or No, you want the instrument. He's not really... He's, he's just there. Yeah, he, does, he, he doesn't block you as such, does he? But if you walk on the screen and he's playing, then Simon gets annoyed and then walks off again. If you... Yeah. 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 And for <laughs> some reason, 
I, I don't know why, but, but I had immediately, I had this picture in my mind, use melon with sousaphone. <laughs> what? It's like he's, uh, Simon does this, this football move and throws the ball, the, the melon into the sousaphone. Yeah. And then the sousaphone player thinks it's broken. I don't know why, but I, I immediately know that's, that's, what, that's what I have to do. As soon as I got the melon, I knew, okay, <laughs> it's clear now. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I, for me, it was pure luck that the owl told me to do this. And I just had it stuck in my head, like, okay, melons and, and instruments don't mix. So, okay. Yeah, it's it's another typical example of just a, a more or less random puzzle. That's It's just there to make you do something. Like, it, it just serves no other purpose than just for you to have something to do. Well, it's quite, I thought it's, it's quite funny when he does the American football or whatever. It is funny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, no, <laughs> so, totally. No, no, it is funny. Is there maybe a movie or something where I've seen something similar? Oh, but, I don't know. I don't know. Bananas and tailpipes and Beverly Hills Cops about as near as I can think of. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, the game is just full of silly stuff like that. And honestly, it is quite funny. I mean... It's just, it's a nice world to be in, I think, for the most part. It's it's never particularly frustrating or annoying. Which is which is surprising because before we started, um, some people said, oh, this is a very hard game. We will have, we will have uh, so much problem with all the, the, the moon logic and all of that. It turns out there are maybe two or three spots where it's really, really luck that you need to find the solution. But other than that, it wasn't, wasn't a particularly hard game. No. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't think it's been. It's hard to remember when it's been so long since the first time. But I don't think it's that bad. No, I'd have, to, I'd have finished it without a, without the internet anyway at the time. So yeah, I, I think if you just get into that adventure game logic and 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 into the mindset of just picking up everything, talking to everyone, trying things, you know, combine it. It sort of flows naturally. It it. It's never particularly impossible. I mean, the, the this term moon logic is used a lot for, for puzzles that make no sense. And even though I th- don't think a lot of puzzles make sense in this game, I don't think moon logic is really something to describe them by because, well, a lot of them kind of sort of make sense in the world of this game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, they, they make sense in hindsight. That's, that's the thing. <laughs> for example, this uh, pig, right? There's this house with a, a chocolate door, I think. Yes, truffle, chocolate truffle door, isn't there? That's it. Exactly. So it's it's a truffle door, and then at one point you have this pig in your inventory, which <laughs> is another typical adventure comedy thing. Uh, I mean, it's an unlimited inventory, and, well, anything fits, so even a pig. Well, no. yeah, well it's got a magic hat, hasn't it? We haven't mentioned that yet. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, a so, pig, uh, a ladder. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, the the way to get through the truffle door is by have the pig eating the truffles because you know big pigs eat truffles and well it's it it makes no real sense but it also sort of does make it sense. Kind of makes yeah, sense. Makes so, sense. <laughs> yeah. So I don't think moon logic applies with with stuff like this. I think it's just. It's just silly, good fun. Yeah, I, don't, I think that when, the first time I played it, I do remember this stupid thing. The first time I got stuck just because I hadn't found the screen behind the house that you start in. There's a screen where you grow the beans or whatever to get your melon. Mm. And I just never found that screen. I, I was stuck forever on that. <laughs> I, I swear it's that sort of thing that gets me in adventure games every time. Yeah. Yeah. It's, 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 it's one of those places you you start out in, in Calypso's house and then you just go to the village and you never return. Yeah. And because there, there's no reason for you to return. And if you haven't found um, the backyard by that time... 
<laughs> I can imagine it's it's really hard. Yeah. It's also not very obvious. I mean, it's sort of in an awkward position. It's not really made clear that this is a path. So, yeah, it's it's a classic problem with these games. And there's also no highlighting or anything because um, I think you mentioned that in one of the remakes there is, right, Florian? Or one of the more recent versions or something? No, I, I, I just played the, the CD version, but in ScumVM. And then you get highlights ah. for hotspots. But I don't think they, they, they don't work for, um, for other rooms. They just work for objects. Right. So even with that, it wouldn't have helped to find the exit now, right? Yeah, the game is full of silly fun. I'm just browsing this little list of some of the locations and things. I just have to chuckle at the Dwarf's Mine. I think the Dwarf's Mine is one of the funniest locations. Yes. Just the way you get in is already really funny. Yeah. You know, it, it actually, I never understood, or I, you know, you, you need to know the password to get in. Besides other things, you need to know the password. Yeah. And I, I just thought, well, Dwarf's Beer, that must be the password, but um, you actually need to find the stone outside that has beer oh, really? chiseled on it. So that's where they hide the password. And I only understood that in hindsight. Oh. Oh, that's funny. Yeah, it's got this massive list of words you can try out if you ever did it. Yeah. <laughs> Every single one of them recorded. You you can be there for about half an hour trying them out, I think. Oh, that's amazing. I wonder, can you can you pick beer unless you found the, the stone? I think you have to find the stone. I think he just gets fed up and ah. gives in if you go through the whole lot. Right. Yeah, that makes sense. I think the funniest thing to me is that you need a beard, right? Once you have you have the password correct. They want you to be a dwarf. <laughs> and you're, you are you say you're a dwarf, but they don't believe you because you don't have a beard. So you can't be a dwarf if you don't have a beard. And then you just grab a dwarf's beard, like a live dwarf's, and you yes. just cut <laughs> off his beard. He's, he's sleeping in the tavern, I think. Yeah, yeah that's right. And you, somewhere you find scissors. I, I don't remember where you got yeah, them. But. Yeah, so you find scissors and you just shave, <laughs> just cut it off and it's left with a perfectly shaved face after, of course. Oh, that's great. But, but, but once you're in, I mean, everything else you do in the, um, the dwarf mine, it's everything is beer related, right? Mm. So, that's super funny. Yeah. They're not even making beer, are they? They're just drinking beer. Yes, yes, yes. They're yeah. making it. So, <laughs> yeah, that's just one of the funnier scenes um the swamp guy is also really memorable to me oh yeah yeah i like the swamp play yeah he's he's sort of a sympathetic character i don't know yeah i I feel for him at at the beginning i thought he he must have been he must be like like a bad guy and and i was was actually a bit afraid of him when i first met him yeah but he's he's actually the, the kindest little green guy that you've ever met yeah he he lives alone in the swamp and and when you enter he's all excited and he offers you this horrible stew that he's making swamp yes. stew. and and he says it's so nice that you're here for his birthday and and then you ask when's your birthday and it was weeks ago but he nobody showed up so he just assumed <laughs> you were delayed <laughs> and Poor guy. it's all it's all of yeah it's really sad it's like oh okay i'll be your friend because well, yeah, you can be cruel. You, know, you can be cruel. Because, even yeah. Simon feels guilty about it if you go for that <laughs> option when he goes back out. Yeah, it's it's just great. And and he he offers you stew like almost infinitely. Like it's well, almost it's, yes. He offers you, yeah, like tons and tons of it. It just keeps on going. Every time you finish the bowl, he <laughs> just comes straight at you with a new one. The worst part is that you have to eat it all because that's actually a puzzle. Yeah, which is. That's a bit weird. I don't think I've I've seen that in other 
um, adventure games before that you have to repeatedly do the same thing in multiple locations to achieve something. Like you have to eat the stew and you have to eat it five, six, seven times. I don't re recall exactly. Mm -hmm. No, I well, no, it doesn't. It, the way it works is that you have to get a sample of it, don't you, in a jar. Yeah. So it, you have to eat it once more after that, basically, and then he runs out. Oh, so. I see. Yeah, exactly. It's actually pretty clever. But I still ate tons of it just because I I felt it was rude not to. <laughs> well, it's a chance to torture Simon for, for what he's done to everyone else through the game is the way I see it. Yeah, Simon is is quite cruel, isn't he? He is not the most sympathetic character. Well, he, he's he's a 14-year-old. What did you expect? Yeah, I guess. But I don't know. He's He's quite rude and he's quite, yeah, mischievous. I don't know. Yeah. He's not the nicest person. But there's not that location where you have to do the same thing multiple times like this to get the gold from from the dragon slayer. Yeah, I, I didn't. I didn't get it. I I went up there. I, I picked my my gold. I returned to the village, and I didn't have enough gold, and I was stuck. I didn't know what to do. Yeah, you could just get more. Yes. You can just do the same thing, and yeah, and you get more. I, I think it took me. I don't know many hours, <laughs> and then you had to tell me. Yeah, it's a bit. I don't know. It's more of an RPG thing, maybe to get money this way. It's not really an adventure type puzzle, but yeah, they they have that thing where you can you can barter when you sell the gem mm. for how much it's worth. I'm guessing maybe it was just a way around that. Yeah, because I guess you could sell it. I mean, I'm not tried it, but I presume you could sell it for less. You need another way to get the money back so you don't get stuck. That's that must be it. Yeah, what I think it's a gem that you're selling, right? Yeah, that's it. And that's what you get from the dwarves, and uh, that's actually involving the dodgy geezer. Uh, I think that's that's his function to to offer you money for the gem. Yeah, but also one of the two functions of the dragon is to give you money. So <laughs> that's a bit that's a bit redundant. Yeah, yeah, but they they, they sort of they they're sort of linked because uh, if you if you sell the gem for really low amounts, then you can get more from the dragon. Can, can you actually? Yeah, uh, I'm not sure. Maybe all bartering will always lead to the same amount. Maybe I don't know actually. I always try to go for for the most, but I don't know what happens if you stop and, and accept a lower amount. I don't know. But I, I, I do think um, the game doesn't want you to get stuck. Yeah, it's, so, it's, uh, that, that's one of the things they, they actually did right. There's yeah. no way to get to really um, get to a dead end or, or break the game for you. Yeah, or, or die or any of that. Yeah. So, yeah. That's, uh, Even though many things happen that would usually kill you if if you if they were to happen to you, but <laughs> Simon magically survives. Yeah, there's this whole mummy section as well. The mummy section, the, the snowman, um, the fiery pits of Rondor. Oh, that's quite a nasty puzzle. I thought that mummy one. Really? Oh, that, well, you, you you do spot that bandage on that, uh, but you have to pull you have to pull the bandage, don't you? I I just naturally figured that that unwrapping the mummy would be yeah. the way. So I I just kind of looked for a way to grab him. But Yeah, same same for me, but I didn't find the way in the beginning. And I think you had to mm. had to push me to, to find it actually. Yeah, I don't know. It just maybe I just was lucky when I when I just hovered my mouse over the mummy and it just found the hotspot. You've got to get it at just the right spot, haven't you? If I want to remember where the loose bandage is. I'd, yeah. I'm sure I got stuck on that one as well huh. this time around. Yeah, that's. It's always the the question in these games: Is it requiring an item you don't have, or do you just have to, mm -hmm. you know, try things? It's always yeah, yeah, or figure out how to tell the game. I mean, uh, 
that that's that's worse in in text adventures where you mm. not only need to find out what you have to do but also how to tell the game what you're going to do it's it's easier in graphical adventures but even there it can be yeah can be problematic at times yeah there's quite a lot of verbs aren't there on this if i remember you have to yeah. do is it move on the bandage or something like that pick up i think yeah there's it's maybe fun to look at them um there's 12 verbs in total uh which is i think the same amount as in monkey island probably probably and a lot of them are the same as well uh but some aren't for example consume is one of them that's definitely not part of any lucas arts game that i know uh where is another one of them uh remove i've i don't think i've seen that one i don't remember using that one <laughs> oh you have to remove the dwarf um, I'll remove the ring, I guess. The ring, yeah. and I think you don't. You also have to remove the beard, right? Or does Simon do that automatically? No, why well, he oh. does that if you walk off screen? He says it's too itchy. <laughs> <laughs> to me, the classic ones from Lucas are push and pull, and they are missing yeah. from this. Well, they're combined into move. Mm. Yeah, that's, that's nice. Yeah, it's still very familiar to anyone who's played it. Yeah, if, if you've played any Lucas Arts or or later Sierra Adventures, then. Mm. There's no no mystery on how to you how to play the game. Exactly. There's, yeah, there's a seriously nasty puzzle in the sec in the sequel to spoil that for people as well. But <laughs> where you have to sneak your way past this monster in the dark, and one of the things is it gets to stop it from hearing you. You find a puppy somewhere that's sort of like some sort of basset hound thing, and you have to wear this puppy. And he turns it into scissors, huh? into not scissors, slippers. Sorry. Oh, that makes a lot more sense. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. <laughs> and where's say so where's this dog has a pair of slippers to walk past this thing? And he's supposed to, that that really is moon logic. So yeah, I, I def, exactly. I defy anyone to. I think the joke is that it's supposed to be hush puppies. So ah, uh, yeah. But I'm, that's a lot like the monkey wrench from Monkey Island too. Yeah, I agreed. <laughs> yeah, that is actual moon. That that's what I meant earlier. That most of the original game doesn't have a whole lot of this, like utter nonsense that you just can't figure out. It's more logical nonsense. <laughs> <laughs> so the so the basic story is that once you. Uh, have passed the test. These these wizards, they they want to... Actually, it involves the mummy, doesn't it? I think the, the mummy is guarding some kind of... Yeah, the mummy's got the staff that you're trying to fetch. That's what they actually want, these wizards. Exactly. So once you, you fetch the staff, I think the game sort of flows rather rapidly from that point on. I think the, the bulk of the game is actually becoming the wizard. Up to that point, yeah. And from that point on, yeah, it sort of flows pretty quickly towards the end. I think in terms of, of playing time, it's at least two-thirds is becoming a wizard. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and also you get less and less options because of this mm-hmm. massive game world that we talked about at the start. There's just less and less places that you have not visited or used or yep. gone through. So Even worse, once, once you are a wizard and you have helped the druid with his frog problem, <laughs> then you are limited to, I don't know, 10 rooms and then three items. Or something like that. So that's, that's really when when the game, yeah, it really it 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 really gets it really narrows down a lot, and mm-hmm. then it's just from there on, it's it's really just um, doing the few things that are possible. And yeah, yeah, yeah. You mean the 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 end part where you enter the tower? Yeah, I think those are the two big um, goals you have. Like like first becoming a wizard, 
and then entering the tower. This is Sorted's tower. That's sort of the end section. Um, and you need to figure out how to get in. And once you're in, that's basically just a few screens and then the whole game is over. It's just... Well, yes. And then you go to the fiery pits of Rondor, but that's I think that's, that's precisely three more screens. So. Mm. Exactly. So it really wraps up once you get to the end and it narrows down. Yeah, and you lose all your inventory when you enter the tower. So there's there's no, not not much thinking about what you can do. And inside the tower, there are not many objects either. So that's true. It almost feels like they developed the tower section first, maybe or separately. Yeah, it's almost like a tutorial section when you think about it, isn't it? Yeah. So, so it ties you down into little sections, doesn't it? So you've got the garden, which you can do while you're small, while you've drunk the potion or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And then there's the tower itself, which has got like three or four floors or something like that. Yeah. And you, you can't go back and forth between them. So it's like tying you down, down your options and making it a bit easier for you. Yeah, it was really surprising because it's it's huge at first and, and you're overwhelmed. You don't know what to do. But once you're near the end, it pretty linear. Yeah, it narrows down and and yeah. It just if you just combine the things you do have, it, it solves itself almost. Yeah. So So in the beginning you make like four or five promises to people that are all longer in, in quotes, longer puzzle chains. Mm-hmm. And once you've done all of those. It's, it's really just one chain of events that, that can happen. Yeah, exactly. And it's it becomes more, what's the word for this? Like sequential, like this. Yeah, lin- linear. Yeah, exactly. Is that the word? Yeah, linear. Yeah. So, yeah, you, you basically, you solve the tower because there's these demons, right? There's the demons at the top and they're guarding the teleporter, I think. Well, I think they're not really guarding it. They just don't want to tell you how to use it unless you, you help them. Yeah, and and using it turns out just to press a button or something. So yeah, exactly. <laughs> button marks self-destruct for some reason. So yeah, once you solve the the demon problem and you're transported to the fiery pits of Rondor, that that's a good joke though, isn't it? I mean, it's first of all, it's the fiery pits of Rondor, which is another Lord of the Rings reference joke thing. Yeah, one of four at least. Yeah, but then it turns out it's actually a tourist attraction. That's funny. That's funny. <laughs> not, not a very popular one, though. No, not a popular one. Yeah, and the fires have gone out. Well, the fires went out because because of Simon. Uh, how does that work again? You need to get past the guy at the, the entrance, but he won't let you pass and you don't have any, don't have any money left. So you, uh, you ring the, the fire alarm. That's true. And that causes the sprinklers to extinguish the fiery pits so actually you 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 turn off the fires which is the the feature of the fiery pits yeah (laughs) yeah and there then you meet sorted right Mm -hmm. there's just this one screen where sorted is standing yeah he's kind of pissed because (laughs) the fiery pits have turned off yeah (laughs) and yeah it's i think it involves maybe two or three steps yeah it's it's not, not very complicated all in all no, so you turn him into stone or something. Yeah, I mean, in, in the tower you find his his wand, and um, it's the wand. I mean, we didn't talk about it, but he has turned many people in the world into stone, including um, Calypso, I think. Yeah, and then you then you turn sort uh, yes sorted into stone as well, and then you destroy the wand to release everyone from their stone state. State, yes, thanks. And that, that's, that's one of the funniest sections because they, 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 they play this out so long. And you know, I mean, as soon as you throw the wand into the fiery pits of Rondor where they get destroyed to release everyone, 
you immediately know this is not going to end well because Starlet is standing right there, which you have just turned into into stone. And <laughs> yeah, they, it it plays out for so long, and it's like you know what's going to happen. Then I really like that section. It's really funny. It's really funny that you just realized. Oh, I thought I had beaten the evil guy, but now I've I've turned him back into life. So this is no good. I think this is when you get a call from Calypso, right? Yes. This is also really funny. It's just <laughs> a random funny. phone. That's just... just dro- yeah, it just drops out of the ceiling or whatever. <laughs> and Sordid answers the phone. and It's for you. Oh, yeah. It's, it's... <laughs> That's great. Calypso tells you to, um, to just delay him a bit because he and the other guys are coming to help you. Um, yeah. They, uh, spoiler, they never do. No. No, I think that's sort of the joke is that... Um, Calypso, you never see him. But. No, no, there's there's no actual footage of of Calypso in the entire game, even though he's 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 like the main character who who came up with all this, but he's never shown in in the actual game. So so you have to solve it yourself because he doesn't show up. Yeah, and basically, no, that's floor floor works. It is yes. Oh, that's the thing. Yes, that's the thing. <laughs> Ends up in the worst animation in the whole game. Yeah, but how, how would that not have looked a ridiculous? Whatever you did, no idea. And also, isn't the floor wax just outside of where he's standing? Yes. So it's it's, it's on the on the one screen further. But that that's the same with many puzzles in the game. To be honest, yeah, many puzzles you just need objects from from one screen and you carry them into the next screen and then you can solve the puzzle. Yeah. Sometimes even multiple ones, like um, getting the wax. Mm. I mean, you need to get into the witch. No, no, not the witches. The, the beekeeper's house. Yeah, the beekeeper. And there you you find the um, this 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 net hat and and the smoke box, and that's all you need to get um, the wax from the beehive outside. So, mm. and there's, there's lots of puzzles like that. Yeah. So yeah, it is it is kind of funny though. I mean, uh, by the by the point where you're so far in into the game and towards the end, I don't think you're as critical anymore. You're just laughing all the time and. <laughs> It's just, yeah. yeah, it's just good fun. Yeah. And I mean, the whole game is, is kind of funny. Yeah. But the Yen section is, is really good. Yeah, um, it's just pure. Except for, for this, 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 this animation with, in which um, Sordid tips over or his, his lips on, on this floor wax. I don't think I've seen a worse animation <laughs> in any adventure game ever. Yeah, but that's funny as well. So it's all good. Yeah, that's, that's the whole game. I mean, then, then immediately... It's the credits, I think. Yeah, well, yeah. It's, I think you still you still have to push him into the fiery pits, but other than that, yes. Yeah, it sets it up for a sequel, doesn't it? Simon just sort of mm. pops him straight back home and then gets drawn in by some giant hand or something, isn't it? Exactly. Which is completely ignored, by the way, if you've played the if you've played part two. <laughs> he starts backing his ass again. Right. But it does set up a sequel, so they must have had this idea of of making a second game, even though it doesn't actually use the plot device that they set up. And I also think the game just quits the DOS after the credits. That's also kind of funny. Mm-hmm. I actually thought it had crashed. Yeah. <laughs> I started it over and had to play the entire end section again because that's when I last saved. Just to find out, oh no, that's how the game actually ends. Well, yeah, you got, you got dancing demons at the end. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but, but once once they're done, the game just, just quits to DOS. Yeah, or right. if you're playing ScumVM, it just quits. Yeah, I assume is there is there a message if you're when you're playing in DOS actually? No, no, I don't think so. No, nothing, Not nothing is significant anyway. No, and I think this is because there's no menu or, or anything. Oh, right. So there's there's nowhere to go for the game. There's no, there's nothing. Um, this is also a thing when you're starting the game, by the way. Yeah, I was just thinking. Uh, you have to watch the intro every time, 
and and you can skip through it sort of. You can skip it with can you can you press both mouse buttons to skip it? Yeah. Or press one. enter or space or something. You have to do it like one scene at a time, though. So there's still like four yeah. or five yeah. things to skip. Exactly. That's the thing. You're... And it takes a couple seconds before uh, you can skip each scene. Yeah. So can I just slam the button and, and be done with it? No. And, yeah, and it's a bit unnecessary, isn't it? I, th- I think they just didn't really put any thought into this because, I don't know, every time you want to load your saved game, you have to go through the intro again in, in these chunks, four or five chunks. And and once the game is started, that's the, the first point where you can actually load your game. So there's yeah. They should have just gone with a menu, but they didn't. So yeah, sequels exactly the same as well. <laughs> so. Yeah, to be to be honest, I think it's not that bad. I mean, you start the game and then you you play it for, for an hour, two hours, and you've lost five seconds yeah, in the beginning. It's, yeah. fine. it's fine. It's okay. It's fine. It's okay. And and the way you get to this menu is by using the um postcard. Yeah. Postcard, right? That's kind of a novel thing because the postcard is just an inventory item. And by the way, the only one that you don't lose when you enter the, the tower in the end. Yeah, because yeah. otherwise you could save or load your game anymore. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, I've I've not seen this where an inventory item is the menu. That's a uh, sort of a novel thing. I feel like I've seen it, but I couldn't tell you where. Mm. Uh. Yeah, that's the whole game. Yeah, we, we haven't really talked about the paleontologist and the millerith for the woodcutter because I think that's that's a kind of a funny puzzle as well. Okay. So you find this this paleontologist who's looking for the missing link between human and vegetable, I think. <laughs> and he's, he's digging a hole and looking for, uh, for fossils. And somewhere, I don't remember where, it's probably not so important, you find you find the fossil. And you give it to him and you say, oh, uh, where, where did you did you find it? And Actually, you need to find this this uh, magical metal for for the woodcutter's new axe, axe. and you you know where it is because you got got a metal detector, I think, from the woodcutter as well, right? Yeah, yeah. that's right. And, and you, you you know where where it is, but you don't have a way to dig because you don't have a, a shovel or anything. Mm-hmm. So you just tell the guy, "Oh yeah, yeah, I found this fossil over there," <laughs> and then he digs the hole for you, and he's not interested in this super valuable millerith. He's just digging and digging and cursing about Simon for telling him that, that that's where he found the fossil. Yeah. So that's, I, I really like that one. That's great. Uh, yeah, I, I think maybe in the end we can, we can see what we forgot to mention, but I mean, there's also this, this whole section in the, in the notes where we talk about how this game came to be. And I, I think it's a nice diversion from, from, I, I mean, we've, we've talked about the game contents mm-hmm. for a while yeah. now, so. Maybe we can move on to this part for a little bit. Although, actually, I, I say this, and now I immediately think I don't. I, I don't actually know a whole lot. I, I tried to do research, but it's really quite difficult to find good information about these people. Um, I don't know. They were quite obscure, I think. And th- there's some stuff here and there, but there's not a whole lot of good information. So. I don't know. If people know more, then please share with us on the forums or whatever. But, well, here's the stuff that I could find anyway. Um, it, it goes a, a ba- back a long way. It actually starts in the, in the late 70s. So that's, that's late. Uh, it starts in 1979 when Adventure International is founded in America. That's an American um, text adventure company. It's run by Scott and Alexis Adams. This is not Scott Adams from the Dilbert comic, by the way. 
So <laughs> that's important to know. This is a different person with the same name. And I think from what I can gather, this is sort of the first uh, text adventure game company for home computers. Because this is before Infocom, actually. And this is, well, after Colossal Cave Adventure, but Colossal Cave Adventure was for mainframes and stuff. So, I mean, these people were making uh, text adventures for home computers as in, in the late 70s. So that's kind of amazing. Some of the games they made are Adventureland, Pirate Adventure, Secret Mission, and Voodoo Castle. I have not played any of these, but these are just... Have you ever played any any Adventure International game, Richard? Um, none of these really early ones. have. They got a Marvel license later on, didn't they? Hmm. So I can't, I've played I played the Spider-Man one. I was looking for games that worked with composite CGI, CGI on an old DOS machine, and that happened to be one of them. So right. It's a sort of static screen, a sort of static screen, fairly basic parser of a really odd plot. I can't, you're going around this office block for the whole of the game, from what I remember. But they just happened to be go down a corridor and there'd be a different super villain in every room. So don't ask me <laughs> <laughs> what was cool. going on. But yeah, I, th- I think they had quite some licensed games. I think there was a Captain America one as well. And I don't know. There were some licensed games later on as well. Um, the, the the thing that connects it to Simon the Sorcerer, this is an American company, but they wanted to have their games in Europe and in the UK as well. Um, so Mike Woodruff is, as far as I can tell, the founder of Adventure Soft Publishing Limited, which is like the British branch of this uh, Adventure International or... I don't think they're actually linked, but well, either way, AdventureSoft in the UK was set up purely to import games from America and redistribute them in Europe and in the UK. And I I think they also actually ported them to work on systems that were more commonly found here. So I think this was actually done fairly often with text adventures where they were just ported I think because they were written in basic or something I don't know. I don't I don't know how straightforward this is, but I I've come across this more often. Um the the interview we did with David Fox, he also mentioned he was into porting games, text games to other platforms. So I don't know, this is something people could do obviously. Uh I don't know how, but yeah, this is a thing that happened. So this is what AdventureSoft was doing for the first couple of years. They were founded in the early 80s. It's difficult to find good information on what they were doing exactly. But I did find that at one point they were feeling the there weren't as many games coming from America anymore. So around 84, they started to make their own games in the UK. So some of the titles they made are Gremlins, which is actually based on the IP from the film Gremlins. And also a Robin Hood game called Robin of Sherwood. So these are also text adventure games that they developed themselves in the UK. And then eventually in 86, Adventure International in America, the the Scott Adams company, it goes bankrupt. So this is kind of an awkward situation because now they're importing games from a defunct company. So that doesn't work. And they, they still have access to some of the licenses in the UK. 
specifically the ones for the Fighting Fantasy gamebooks, which are by Steve Jackson and Ian Livingstone. I think these are like RPG system stuff, right? Yeah, they're like my biggest game book. I was, I was very into them mm. at that sort of time. It's, is it like Dungeons and Dragons? Um, it's well, it's just a book you read on your own. It's that sort of thing. It's it's one of these sort of make a choice, turn to this number sort of thing. Ah, right. And and you have some sort of basic combat where you roll dice and and the like. Not that anyone ever did did that bit. We just sort of read them all. <laughs> So, yeah, I guess these are choose-your-own-adventure stories. Yeah, exactly that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and, uh, well, they they had access to the licenses to these in the UK, so they developed games around these. Uh, some of them they made are Seas of Blood, Rebel Planet, Temple of Terror, this whole list. I remember borrowing Rebel Planet from the library very vaguely. I don't think I got very far there. <laughs> okay, well, that's that's cool. And these are all still text games, I think. Yeah, it definitely had some graphics, but yeah, it's still a text parser. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, they were going for a good while now and developing their own games based on IPs and everything. I think by by this point, in the late 80s especially, um, AdventureSoft was really becoming sort of a serious game developer in the UK. Um, and around the late 80s, of course, also the 16-bit machines became have started coming out, right? Like the Atari ST and the Amiga and stuff like that. So I think by the late 80s, they, they well, the text stuff was getting old and, and they wanted more graphical, interesting things. And they focused on making games around um, Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, which is a series they developed. I don't know if this is based on an existing IP or... Something they came up with themselves. Yeah, it was, it, no, it was an IP. I think there was an interview I heard with Mike Woodruff. I think the, the IP was floating around, right? Because it might have been when Mirror. I think Mirrorsoft or someone, someone, some other company was looking for it, and the license became available, and they didn't take it. Because she, I, 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 I don't. There's a few Elvira films. I think not that I've ever seen one, <laughs> but. She used to present like horror movies and things on the BBC over here, sort of do the intros. Ah, right. So, so they developed uh, games in the in the Elvira series, um, and they also made a game called Personal Nightmare, which I think was was a bit of a hit. That was a bit of a hit game for the Amiga, I think. So, yeah, they they renamed themselves to Horror Soft at this point. Um, I, I guess to emphasize the horror aspect of their games now. I don't know. Uh, so, yeah, they were called Adventure. Um, Adventure Soft, what was it? Adventure Soft Publishing before. Now they're called Horror Soft for a little while. But then actually in 92, they come up with this Simon the Sorcerer idea and they figure, oh, we can't use Horror Soft for that. So let's switch back to Adventure Soft. So this is when they rename back to Adventure Soft. And that's actually when they develop uh, Simon the Sorcerer, which is their first and, well, sort of, also only game series, I would say. All through the 90s, AdventureSoft just focuses on Simon the Sorcerer and they make various Simon the Sorcerer games and they don't seem to make a whole lot of other stuff. I think there's only one other game. It's called The Feeble Files. Yeah, I've, I've played that one. It's another adventure game. It's got another guy from Red Dwarf doing the voice, actually. Ah. So 
They got the guy who plays Crichton out of Red Dwarf, Robert Llewellyn. That's funny. They must have met them through uh, Simon the Sorcerer, through the contacts they had for this. Yeah, it's probably the same agent or something. Yeah. wouldn't surprise me. Because they got, I don't think we've mentioned this, but they got Chris Barry to voice Simon uh, for the original Simon the Sorcerer game for the CD-ROM edition. Uh, they got Chris Barry, who is the actor who plays Arnold Rimmer in Red Dwarf which is this comedy science fiction show from the UK, right? I think it has a bit of a cult following, so. Yeah, yeah, it's popular. I just, I just watched them all in the last six months or so. Really? During lockdown, yeah. Wow. Yeah. I haven't watched them in years. It's been going for quite a long time. I think since the late 80s, and isn't it still going or something? Or is it a reboot or... Yeah, they come out now. They come out with a new one every few years or so still, yeah. Amazing. That's amazing. Where were we? Oh, yeah, but they, they, they changed their name back to AdventureSoft uh, because they had this idea of making a Discworld game, actually, but they couldn't obtain the license from Terry Pratchett. They wanted to make a Terry Pratchett Discworld game, but they couldn't. So they that's when they came up with Simon the Sorcerer. And I think you're right, Richard, that it was very much inspired by Monkey Island. And I think because LucasArts just moved on to do other things, they figured, well, why shouldn't we make more of these? If if Lucas isn't, then yeah, let's jump into this gap in the market and, and create comedy point-and-click graphical adventure games. Well, same year um, Day of the Tentacle was published, right? Yeah, 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 for sure. But they couldn't know that. No, uh, probably not. No, so... They, they developed the engine in-house. It's called the Adventure Graphic Operating System, or AGOS. And they had actually two locations at this point. They had a main studio in Birmingham, where they did all the business and the coding stuff. But they also had an art studio in Newcastle. So this this sounds like a pretty serious operation. I mean, this is not just a guy in a in a basement coming up with an adventure game. This is real. This is real studio. So... Yeah, they got quite big by the time. I mean, by the time they're doing feeble files, uh, I think that was that was all done on silicon graphics machines. There's all this pre-rendered <laughs> stuff, so they must have had a horde of those machines and graphic artists and the like. Because mm-hmm. it's, ab- it's absolutely full of 3D cutscenes. Was that game? That was all the rage in the in the mid '90s, wasn't it? It's, yeah, that's the way to show that you're a a real impressive game studio is by having these uh, 3D rendered cutscenes. Um. So yeah, they were all into that. I think the Feeble Files is like a, a spoof on the X Files, right? Or not? Um, no, it's it's more of it's, it's a sort of a bit of a nineteen eighty four sort of vibe, or a bit of Terry Gilliam's Brazil. Ah, you sort of play this really pathetic alien who works in some massive bureaucracy. Oh, that's. And gets, I think he gets caught up in a rebellion. It's it's been a long time since I played it. So. <laughs> Sounds funny though. It was a good game. It was, I don't think it was as funny as Simon. Mm. It's, but it's it's a good it's a good game. Definitely well worth a look. Right. Maybe funny to mention is that the Simon the Sorcerer is written by uh, Mike Woodruff's son, who is actually called Simon Simon Woodruff, and he insists that Simon is not named after him. <laughs> but I mean, that doesn't make any sense, right? I mean. Well, yeah, I, th- I think they were considering Willy the Wizard, but they didn't think it sounded too good. <laughs> <sighs> so yeah, it's it's Mike's, it's it's the owner's son who uh, who wrote the whole thing and came up with the with the concept. I think he also wrote the sequel, actually. 
so yeah, I did. Yeah, all through the nineties, they they worked on Simon the Sorcerer's stuff. We'll talk about this later, but there's there's a whole series. I mean, there's not just the sequels. There's all sorts of crazy Simon the Sorcerer. I mean, there's a pinball game and there's a uh, puzzle game pack, and it's all I don't know. They were going all in on the Simon the Sorcerer theme and and IP. Um, by the late nineties, obviously the the landscape was changing a bit, right? I mean, it's it was all becoming three D, and and the triple A studios were were starting to form, and well, the whole gaming landscape was shifting a bit away from this homebrew style and more into corporate studios doing big productions. So they felt they had to go along with that, and they they renamed their company yet again. Uh, to head first productions uh, and they the plan was to focus just on these massive modern 3D impressive games you know just modern games um, the first one they actually did release was Simon the Sorcerer 3D which is another Simon game but I think they mostly had connections with uh, Bethesda uh, famous f- from the is the Elder Scrolls series by them, or what? What did they do again? Yeah, yeah, that's that's that. Yeah, so they were they had links with Bethesda, and the plan was to release games in the uh, Call of Cthulhu series. There's a whole string of projects which they started, but then were cancelled and and switched to another. In the end, the only one they managed to actually get released is uh, Call of Cthulhu: Dark Corners of the Earth in 2005 which is done by them but i think it's actually like the fifth call of cthulhu game they worked on or something uh but all of the previous ones they were for some reason not released so yeah i think by this point it was a bit of a mess um i mean they had not really released a lot of games in years now and obviously it's it's very expensive to develop these big games so yeah, after 2005, they, they went out of business. And that's really the end of it. So that's quite a story, starting in the in the early 80s with text games and then going all the way up into the 2000s. Yeah, I guess, I guess they're still around in some form. The website's still there, at least. So. Yeah, I mean, these, these people are still around. So yeah, that's true. Yeah, you can go to their website right now and buy a big box of Simon the Sorcerer so <laughs> that's fun I remember Simon 3 I mean there were screenshots in the magazines of it of a 2D version huh. so there were sort of rumblings at the time that it, it actually got finished and no publisher would take it up I don't know how true that is mm. though. but they certainly didn't want to go 3D originally yeah it was a weird time for adventure games wasn't it, it, it the, the 3D craze was so big and, yes. and publishers, yeah, it, yeah. Yeah, they basically killed off the genre for a bit. Yeah. It, it's about then when I started looking, sort of playing older games and stopped just looking forward all the time because of that. Mm. Someone who was into adventure games. Yeah, there wasn't a whole lot of, um, well, yeah, big studios doing them anymore in the late 90s. I think actually Lucas was one of the, the last ones to keep making them. Uh but yeah, it all dried up and it, it moved to smaller studios, smaller developers making these. 
And I'd say since then, there's been somewhat of a renaissance, really. Yeah, definitely. So there's there's like studios like Wedged Eye nowadays, which are making great old school adventure games. Other people as well. So it's sort of back now, but there was a whole time when there were, were very little, uh, especially 2D point and click adventure games. Yeah. Yeah, 3D just wasn't up to it, but then. Yeah. And also the controls were often problematic and I don't know. I don't think yes. I don't think yes. yeah. So, yeah, Sam and 3D was the tank the old tank controls. <laughs> yeah. It's and massive, massive maps for some reason. Uh, I don't know why. Yeah. So, yeah, they weren't the only ones who tried tank no. controls in an adventure. No. Game. There are bigger names that made the same mistake. Yeah, it's all a bit of a mess. They were trying to be modern and trying to be you know, something that just doesn't work. Oh, well. Oh, well. So, yeah, this is the story. I have some, I have some sections here on my notes, and it's just, it just says graphics and sound, <laughs> but it has nothing. <laughs> it, has not, it has nothing in them. <laughs> yes, there's not much to say about them, right? I mean, the graphics, they, they look like, like an adventure um, graphics from the early 90s. They, they, they actually remind me more of um, Indiana Jones and the Fate of Atlantis than mm. a Monkey Island because they're trying to be more realistic with with building shapes and stuff like that. So they're not not crooked and and all of that. But also they have they have these hand drawn backgrounds which then again look more like Monkey Island again. So yeah, so, somewhere in between those two games, I would say, yeah. is the graphics. Uh, it, is, it is still a good looking game. Yeah, it looks, sure. looks perfectly fine. And well, very well animated for the most part for a game of the era. Oh yeah, that's what impressed me most is the quality of the animations. I mean, except for when Solid falls over. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I mean, all the art just looks very good. But actually, the way things move and how the characters go—that's really impressive. Yeah, so, there, uh, there are so many animations, especially for Simon. Um, yeah, I, I, I'm not even sure if Day of the Tentacle was. Uh, on on the same page with that, or on the same mm. level, I think there are more Simon animations than maybe Bernard animations. Yeah, because there's not just the the game animations themselves, which it, there are a lot of, but also the idle animations. Right? I mean, when you just don't do anything for a few seconds, he puts up a Walkman and he starts listening to that's, music. That's stuff actually like that. quite annoying because it takes it is five six yeah. seconds until he has put it back back, and then that's only when you can continue playing. It is annoying. But it it's also cool looking. Yeah, it looks super cool. <laughs> yeah, it collapses into dust, doesn't it? If you leave it longer than that, really. <laughs> so there's something else after. Yeah, or maybe. So yeah, there's there's just lots of great animations, and they all look really good. So yeah, well done. I I think all the graphics are in just basic VGA, though, right? Yeah. This is not. Yeah. I I don't think there's any anything special about the technology concerning graphics no. or, or sound and music. No. It's just just how it works. Looks good, yeah. And it's the same thing with the music, really. I mean, it just sounds good. It's all, um, well, MIDI, ad-lib, that sort of style music. Um, but yeah. it's, it's, it's fine. I mean, it's, I recognized it years later. So it ha- it's sort of iconic and it works for the game. So, yeah. I think some parts of the voiceover may be a tiny bit annoying. Like the swampling with, with all all the pity that you have for him, he still has a super annoying voice. <laughs> oh, I don't know. <laughs> Very squeaky, I guess. Yeah. Well, the, the music, I was going to say, it was apparently one of the, they got 
the guys that worked on it sort of didn't normally do game music. I think they did sort of this regular music. One of the guys who worked on it did the keyboards on Black Sabbath's Technical Ecstasy, apparently. <laughs> wow. A trivia for you. That's amazing. Yeah, the music was not done in-house. Um, they hired Media Sorcery, which is, I, I don't know, just a, a studio in the UK, I suppose, um, which is staffed by Adam Gilmore and Mark McLeod. So... Yeah, I don't know. I think these are just two musicians, studio people. So, but still, the game is all MIDI stuff. So, they must have, I mean, they must have gotten into the technology a little bit. Otherwise, you can't make this sort of music. So, yeah. Yeah. It's not your typical studio recording. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, but yeah, I mean, the, the bulk of the audio is the voice acting right i mean if you have the talky version that is because actually i, I kind of prefer the floppy version for it having subtitles which they weirdly dropped from the cd-rom version yeah that's 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 a very weird choice i mean did they think that nobody would need subtitles when they have um the voice acting i i just really like it also i mean i i'm sure i could understand what's going on if i if it wasn't there but i just like also being able to lower the volume a bit and, and just you know when there's something around but I just like the text on screen and it's just not an option yeah it's it's, it's super helpful I mean I'm I'm quite proud of, of my level of English but sometimes uh, it can can be hard to understand things especially um, when they are 8-bit and so yeah, yeah subtitles would have helped in some places and they just removed them and they had them I mean they were in the original floppy version and they just Remove them outright. So. Yeah, I guess people aren't thought of it. But then I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I always turn the subtitles off, but it is my first language, so yeah. Yeah, that's different. But yeah, I don't know. I like it when they're there, and I always turn them on. And I was a bit put off by the fact that they're not in the CD-ROM version. So. I do. Th I do think the voices make the game to a large mm. extent for me. They are very good. They are very good because all the humor's in the in the dialogue, isn't it? It's like if you actually, it's, they don't do any of the humor where you're actually looking at things and getting a humorous description, like you might get in the Sierra game. Mm. So, some of the voice acting is also not not really good. Like um, when when Chippy first barks, it's so clear that it's actually a human uh, trying to bark. And but that's funny as well. Yeah, it's it's kind of funny, but it's also very cheaply made in some <laughs> some parts of it, at least. Yeah, that's part of the charm, I think. Yeah, sure. It's, yeah, I think yeah. so. Well, now that we're talking actually about the versions, um, like I said, the original came out in 93 for both PC and Amiga on floppy. That was like the original release, which didn't have any of the voice acting. Uh, and then by 94, they released essentially the same game on CD-ROM uh, for uh, also PC and the CD32 which is the Amiga equivalent, right? Of the Well, that's sort of the Amiga console, isn't it? It's the Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So, so, so you, well, yeah, I guess you could plug a mouse into it. You'd probably been stuck with a gamepad. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Imagine playing a, an adventure game with a gamepad. That's no good. Yeah, and the single speed floppy yeah. as well. It wouldn't have been CD, I should yeah. say. But. So anyway, in 94, they re-released the game, but now on CD-ROM. Uh, which is, you know, was all the craze back then, of course. And interestingly, in 94, they also released the floppy disk version again, but now for the Acorn 32-bit computer, which was running the RISC OS uh, system. I've not actually used this ever, but 
I don't know. Is this like a what is this? Is a workstation thing or a? It was kind of like a. I think it's kind of like a sequel to the BBC Micro almost. It's, <gasps> so it's the first. I mean, the processor in that's what's become ARM in effect. So yeah. So everyone's mobile phone's basically a descendant of that computer, from what I understand. Exactly. Exactly. So yeah, we've mentioned this in earlier episodes. Uh, I've I've still never actually seen one of these machines. But. Yeah, there weren't a lot of games for them. I know that they're, they're fairly rare. So if you did want to buy one, you're probably looking at a small fortune on eBay. Mm. I'll I'll just stick to my iPhone and pretend it's the same thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> In 1995, they released a sequel. So they were quite productive in these early years. The sequel was released on CD-ROM again, but also on floppy. That I think they offered two versions, or maybe it was both in the same box. I don't know. But there was a floppy and a CD-ROM release again, weirdly. Yeah, definitely not the same box. I've got the CD one. I've just got the floppy. Huh. So you had to choose which one. Who would go for the floppy edition in People who didn't have a CD drive. That <laughs> <laughs> more expensive. Um... And it ran in in both MS DOS and also in Windows. I know I don't know if the if the Windows version was exclusive to the CD-ROM or I don't know. But check. I think I think the one I've got might be DOS only actually at the time. Huh. I think I think the Windows one might have come on later. Right. The one that you can buy now on adventureself.com that actually says only Windows. I don't know if yeah. they run on DOS, but they say only Windows. I think. I think the Windows 95 version is just the DOS version. That's what I think. Probably. I don't know. Uh, The game was also the sequel, this is. The sequel was also planned for the Amiga, but it was cancelled. And also, by 95, I'd say the Amiga's time was over, wasn't it? It was... Very much. Yeah. I think Doom is like what killed it off. So, yeah. Uh, Interestingly, later, Epic Mega Games bought the sequel and released it. So there's actually a version by Epic Mega Games from 2000 of of Simon 2, which uh, runs on the Amiga. So that's a very weird. That's a weird, weird decision, choice. but they did. That's, that's they, almost. I mean, I don't know. Um, did the um, Amiga um, retro craze did it already start in 2000? Maybe people at Epic Mega Games were Amiga fans and they oh, probably. figured we have the money, we can do this. I don't know. Yeah, don't that, know. That's weird with Amiga. It's, it's, it's like a cult or something. Yeah. But yeah, it was it, it was released eventually. I, I mean, it was made. It was just not released. So that's weird in its own right. Um, in 98, this is when the craziness starts. In 98, they were really trying to make Simon the Sorcerer a thing. And they released two games, actually, that year. Simon the Sorcerer Pinball and Simon the Sorcerer's Puzzle Pack. Uh, I wonder if you have any of these, Richard. I do. I've, I've, I have. They're only in, like, clamshells. They're not in boxes, which, uh. <laughs> which offends me greatly. But but you, you have both, actually. I was, I was actually trying them just before we were recording because I, th- I saw them on your list and I thought, I can't remember anything about these. Wow. So, yeah, the pinball's just got it's just got one table. <laughs> it's yes. it's not for DOS, right? Because no, they're both Windows. Windows. No, they're yeah, Windows. Right. This is ninety eight by now. Yeah, sure. So, yeah. It's it's a lot better than Star Trek pinball. If you remember right. that one from Pinball yeah, Month, uh, for sure, for sure. 
<laughs> that's something. No, I actually, I actually seemed all right. The pinball. I mean, okay. it's and it had it had Super VGA, so it went up to like one thousand odd by seven six eight or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. That's so nice. it had some sort of in a, samples from the game. So you get Chris Barry or whatever, and the Swampling talking to you, and like the the bumpers make retching noises, like when you're eating swamp <laughs> stew or whatever. <laughs> And there's like a log you can there's a log you can hit that's full of woodworm that can play when you spin them around or whatever. <laughs> oh, this is actually pretty good for fans, I think. It's it's I mean, as long as it was cheap. If it was if it was like ten quid or whatever, I don't think yeah. it was full price. And it's it's no. actually not bad. Right. So yeah, it's it's worth a play. And and the puzzle pack, that's just a random collection of So that was nonsense. a bit odd. Yeah, so there was uh if you remember Windows Plus or whatever that came with yeah. 95, so there was like there was some Simon the Sorcerer themes on it. Yeah, there was a, there was a virtual pet. I've seen it like a was it a Tamagotchi? Is that right? Remember those little LCD virtual pet machines? Yeah, is this one of those desktop things that just? So it's like a desktop version of that. It's actually, it literally looks like an LCD screen, and there's only got two buttons on it. So it's it's literally recreating a gadget, and it's got a little. De- it's got one of the demons on. So you have to like, you can like feed it chickens, or you oh, can. Oh wow! You can. I don't know. You can torture it with a whip and stuff. It's a bit. Oh. So there's that. Even <laughs> <laughs> even the original Tamagotchi had three buttons. So. Right. Yeah. So I've got one less. Yeah. So there's that. There's like a sort of shuffling. Oh, there's like a, it's like, it's, you have to put all the squares, like a, like sort of like a jigsaw set made of squares, and it's it's videos. Yeah, it's one of those sliding, sliding puzzles, right? Well, you just swap them rather than sliding them. Okay. So it's, right. There's some patience games with some Simon the Sorcerer themed cards. <laughs> right, like solitaire uh, card games. Yeah, they're all solitaire. Yeah, they're, re- <laughs> they're really well drawn cards, actually. I was, so graphically, it looks good. Okay. But the the main the main part of it is this sort of swamp is puzzle thing. So it's it's a bit like, oh, what's that game where you're pushing blocks around? Sokoban. You mean that? Sokoban. Yeah, it's a bit like that sort of overhead. But there's a bit there's a bit more to it. So you got like barrels that'll roll until they hit something and collapsible mm. floors and things. I only did a couple of levels. So yeah, I read there's fifty of them. Fifty levels of. So there's probably quite a bit of game there to be fair. So <laughs> they're, they're both they're, they're more fun than I thought they were going to be. I thought they're just going to be some absolute cash in or whatever. Yeah, that's that's the appearance it makes. It's it it just comes across as pure shovelware. Just you know, they're a bit. I think they're a bit better. Some work some work went into them. So huh. oh, that's nice. But they aren't dust. So. No, no, they're not. But I think if you're like a real real Simon the Sorcerer fan, then. Yeah, you want these in your collection, right? These are, yeah. You're if you're into this, then this is this is the the extra fan stuff. So. Yeah, yeah, they're worth a look. And weirdly, I think this is the last release uh, from when they're called AdventureSoft, uh, because then the, the, they changed their name in '98 to Head First Productions, and Simon the Sorcerer 3D was released under that name, I think. Uh, although they are still the original developers. So they're the same people, but now, you know, doing the Simon the Sorcerer, Sorcerer 3D thing, uh, released in two, 2002. I don't know if this is a if, if this is not a really good game. Is my impression, but uh, yeah, the, the humor's still there, uh, right? 
I mean, it got it got panned at the time just for what it looked like, as much as anything. So it's very sort of square looking characters with like textures on them. So sort of mm. a bit Minecrafty almost, but maybe not quite as bad <laughs> as that. But the hu- I mean, the humor's still there. But this this world that it has you running around in to solve puzzles is absolutely enormous. So huh. it can take you like five minutes to run from one side to the other just to try and have empty space trying to solve this puzzles and back and forth. Hmm. So, yeah, I wouldn't recommend it without a walkthrough, but I had this, had this fantastic puzzle at the end, I remember, to spoil another puzzle, where <laughs> sure. it's, they've got this computer that's like controlling the universe that you have to reboot or something, you have to stick a CD <laughs> in it. I can't remember the I can't remember the plot well enough to say how you get to that. But you have to... I couldn't figure for the life of me for ages how to get the CD get this CD into this computer. You actually have to open the CD drive on your own computer. Oh, really? A sort of meta puzzle, yeah. That's actually pretty good. So that that had me stumped for ages. So yes, yeah, that is a good puzzle. Good enough to remember, like 50, twenty years later. Anyway, I wonder how that works when you play it on a modern system which doesn't have a CD-ROM player. I mean, yeah, good question. <laughs> Kind of stuck there because so, I don't know what Gog have done with that. They probably yeah. they might not have thought about it. Could be no one's got that far. I don't know. Surely in the future everyone will still have a CD drive. Well, <laughs> oh, that's funny. Well, you, you know, I, I was kind of confused when I bought my first laptop without an optical drive. I was I thought, hey, what what's going on here? Why does this not have an optical drive? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Such nonsense. <laughs> but to make it part of a puzzle is another thing. I mean, this is yeah. That's kind of fun. You can still buy all of these games from their website. I mean, it's not just the original Simon the Sorcerer. You can buy the sequel, 3D, the Feeble Files, the Puzzle Pack, the Pinball. All the games are there. So that's that's kind of fun. Um, but sadly, this is the end of the well, of the original studio Simon the Sorcerer games. But it's not the end of Simon the Sorcerer as a series. Because uh, there's actually a Simon the Sorcerer 4. And there's even a Simon the Sorcerer 5 and 6. So, well, there's not really actually a 6. But um, first of all, 4 and 5, they were made by a a studio based in Berlin. A German studio called Silver Style Entertainment. I I guess they, they obtained the license from the... Well, I mean... They went defunct, right? When they they went out of business, so I guess they were they became available or something. I don't know. I guess when when they were bankrupt, that probably means all their assets would have been sold off. So yeah, exactly. So uh, yeah, they made two Simon the Sorcerer games: Simon the Sorcerer Four Chaos Happens, and Simon the Sorcerer Who'd Even Want Contact. So these were released in two thousand eight and two thousand nine. Although they actually released Simon the Sorcerer 4 in 2007, but only in German. So that's yeah, yeah, really I'm, interesting. Yeah, I never played any of these. I remember it coming out in German and being a bit annoyed about it. So. <laughs> I can imagine. It's a very weird studio too. So they were mostly doing um, adaptions of, of bad German TV shows. So, Huh. Like, like this. Yeah. There's this one show that I remember watching back in the day, very, very long time ago with my parents, what called The Clown, which was like um, 
criminal investigator kind of stuff, but he was always wearing this clown mask. And so what? Yes, it's it's super weird. Um, <laughs> so that that's that's essentially what they what they were doing back in the day, or yeah. <laughs> this, okay. this kind of of quality stuff. Yeah, I don't think any of these games were received particularly well. No. Uh, so yeah. I don't know. I don't know what to say, but they are there. So that's the thing. And after this, actually, there was a studio in uh, Dublin called Story Beasts. And in 2014, they announced they wanted to do a proper Simon the Sorcerer sequel. So this would be would have been Simon the Sorcerer 6, Between Worlds was the game going to be called. And, well, they announced it, and they also announced they were uh, going to have Chris Berry on again to voice Simon. And it would also be 2D and and hand-drawn and everything. So, well, it seemed like this would be um, the series going back to its roots, you know. And I I think they planned to do a Kickstarter and everything, and... But eventually, in 2016, they announced that that this project was not going to be happening after all. So it it was cancelled before it even really got off the ground. And, well, that's the end of it. I don't know, were you aware, aware of this one, Richard? No, no, this is news to me when I read mm. it today. Right. So, yeah, I don't know how wi- widely this was uh, announced back then, how big this news was, but... Well, it's it's there. I mean, well, it's 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 there. It's also not there because it it was cancelled before it started. So they never really actually started the Kickstarter or anything. So yeah, this is a bit of a sad ending to the Simon the Sorcerer series. But this is often how it goes with these things, you know. It's often the first games that are the big hits, and then uh, they just try to squeeze stuff out of it for as long as they can. So yeah, I I don't know. I mean. There could be another Simon Sorcerer, I feel. I mean, there could be another sequel. If someone were to make one now, then I'm sure people would be into it. Yeah. Yeah, I'd probably buy it, I think, yeah. after this month, after reviving my interest in it again. Yeah. <laughs> see, see? So, I mean, there's still there's still interest in it. But, yeah, there's just not a whole lot any going on in the world of Simon the Sorcerer at this point. So. Yeah, that's the whole history thing. Next up is the review section. So I don't know if anyone found any good reviews. <laughs> I'm pretty sure you know that someone did. Well, I'm hoping Richard is going to step in. <laughs> <laughs> well, I definitely found a couple, yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, I should make it more obvious. Right. Well, yeah, I've got my usual pair of reviews. Off of. So let's have a look. We've got the PC review one here. Mm-hmm. So it's eight out of ten. If you're looking for a good laugh and an even better challenge, you really shouldn't miss miss Simon the Sorcerer because it's destined to become a classic. Wow. Doesn't quite beat Monkey Island 2, but boy, does it come close. That's quite the praise. Yeah. I'm not entirely sure that that's really justified, but well, I don't, it's I, I don't know. I think it holds up about as well as Monkey Island 2. I think it's reasonable. I, I was quite impressed with, by this game, to be honest. I, I was really going in not expecting a whole lot, and, and it was a lot better than I uh, ever thought it would be. So Yeah, but is it is it Monkey Island 2 good? Well, uh. 
I mean, I, I I liked it too. I enjoyed I enjoyed playing it a lot. But Monkey Island Two. I personally don't like Monkey Island Two that much, so that's, that's yes. quite changes the whole equation. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I should go back to the Monkey Island episode and see if that was your opinion back then and if you said it. I think so. Yeah, I I like the first game a lot, but then the second one, I don't know. It's 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 not bad. It's not a bad game, but it's. It's a bit much. I don't know. Yeah, this, this would have been the floppy one they were reviewing as well. So in theory. Oh, this didn't have any of the voices. Yeah, so they'd have been reviewing it before that. Right. That makes quite a difference, probably. Yeah, I think so. So I've seen a few, or at least one review, where they said that the voices are actually annoying and, and not helping the game at all. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, well, I've played far worse. I should should play some of these Origin ones where they got the staff around the office to do it. Something like Private Privateer or something like that. I think it was quite common, also by Sierra, to to just have some random people do the do the voices instead of proper actors. So, yeah, yeah. There's def- there's definitely games that were better that when they were floppy version that were out there. Definitely. So right, hang on. Oh, so more reviews then. Mm-hmm. Uh, PC Zone, at last an Anglo answer to the average American adventure. Recommended. Wow. So sort of high praise while calling it average at the same time, I guess. Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to make <laughs> sense of this. Did so, they give a score or anything? That's no, like 86 out of 100, so that, that's pretty high for them, to be honest. That's, again, that's the floppy one. Right, okay. And we got a CD-ROM review out of PC Zone when that came out a few years later, and they upped it to 89. Huh. A tricky jaunt boosted by excellent talky bits. Ah, this is the talky one. Yeah, so they re-reviewed it. This gave it a one-page review. Hmm. Yeah, I think in general, I'm I'm just scrolling through the Moby Games list. In general, it's all up there. It's all either in the 80s or the 90s range. And there are a few exceptions, but there, there's not a lot of... There's also a few 100%. Yeah. Wow, and yeah. So it's, it's, it's not, not quite Day of the Tentacle levels, but it's, it's got quite a bit of praise anyway. Yeah. Yeah, this was not the time when people felt adventure games were over. So this was still just, you know, people were really... And also, I see a lot of really high uh, praising Amiga reviews. So I think the Amigos, especially, yeah, just happy to have this quality of game. Yeah, you said it. I think '93 was 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 a very good year for adventure games, all in all. Yeah, yeah. So I don't know. I'm I'm looking if there's are any. I see a lot of German reviews. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, they are mostly full of praise. Like Aktueller Softwaremarkt, that was one of the biggest. Our magazines back then they gave it 100 they said one thing is for sure there's nothing uh, and nothing sh- um, wrong about some the sorcerer we we didn't have uh, that much fun for a long time but there are still a, a lot of german ones i think adventure games were really popular in germany oh yeah totally were yeah definitely well they still are that's still that's well it's not, it's not a surprise that the license ended up out there that's happened a few times with old yeah. adventure games doesn't it that's probably it yeah yeah I mean, we we still have some some studios that still make um, adventure games regularly. So, mm. like um, Dead League Entertainment, they're they're quite 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 popular. Yeah, I've played played most of those. Yeah, yeah. The new well, as you see, Larry Games ended up there as well. So if you played either of them, that's true. Yeah, that's true. 
I'm trying to see if it, none of these are Dutch. So that's I'm I was trying to see if there are any of the any of the Dutch reviews there, but there are none that I can see. So that's sad. But yeah, in general, these are just all super high marks. So yeah. So if if people want to get this game now, I mean, it's we've already <laughs> mentioned the the website. That's that's just the way to go, isn't it? I mean, if you're a real fan of of this whole retro stuff, go to their website and just order. Well, I think if if you actually are oh, like a, like a real collector like like Richard, yeah. you probably want one one of the original boxes from back in the day. But if if you just I, casually collect, then those are probably pretty good too. I wonder if these are actually new. I mean. Maybe they just had a lot of them made and they still have a lot of them sitting. Yeah, it must be that. They've sold out of some of the stuff on there, I think. Yeah. So I think these are old ones, actually. Well, for, for I think for some of the Sorcerer 2, they somewhere mentioned that it's now coming in a DVD box instead of the original cardboard box. So they must, must still be producing them. Hmm. Yeah, that's interesting. That's something to look for, definitely. Um, if you want an original, original, like an old one, I guess eBay is the place to go for okay. a boxed copy. At least for the German version that I own, they're abundant and not very expensive. Like I think yeah. I got mine for 25 or something. And that's so that was even a high price, but I, I wanted it for 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 the club, essentially. So right. And English versions, I don't know. I think probably cheaper. That's was probably most of my collecting was done years ago, which is a problem when people ask this sort of thing. The, that double yeah. pack, that double pack with a t-shirt in, well, I got relatively recently within the last few years, and that was just in a big pile of games for about twenty quid. So, wow! No one saw that as being particularly valuable. <laughs> so, so, if you want a t-shirt with a swampling on, have a, keep an eye out for one of them, I guess. <laughs> yeah. It's it, it, it. I think ch- prices have changed a bit in recent years, and things have definitely gone up. Uh, but but there are so I, they sold so many of these. Uh, I read somewhere that they sold over six hundred thousand uh, Simon two copies for that. So yeah, I mean that helps, doesn't it? I mean, if a game was popular, then yeah, there's yeah, just absolutely. more. Absolutely, yeah. Um, another option entirely is to go on to Steam or GOG if you just want the digital download of this game. So um, I'm not sure if that's actually a good option because... Well, it is a bit of a... They are more expensive than the boxed copies that you can buy from Adventuresoft right now. Yeah, that should decide it then. And they, they, I think they're just, I think they're just um, upscaled versions with some weird upscaling filter. They, so they look super yeah. ugly if you ask me. This is yeah. 25th anniversary edition. It's got some sort of new interface as well. It's got terrible reviews on GOG. Yes. Yeah. This is this is really weird. It looks like they applied some kind of filter mm-hmm. to I don't know remove all the pixels or something. Yeah, it looks like. I mean, there there's some of these those filters that you can also enable in ScumVM or DOSBox, and that's exactly what it looks like. Except they also yeah. put on a non-pixelated, super ugly interface. That's yeah, that's so that's the big no money good. crap, if you ask me. So yeah. just trying to make some money. If if you do buy it on GOG, I gather it's got an extra of the original game, mm-hmm. which isn't sort of necessarily advertised. I'm not sure, but you can just bung that into ScumVM and play it on anything. Yeah, I saw that for Steam as well. They have um, the original as a as a free 
uh, DLC. You are paying twice as much for the original game as you were before this new edition, of course. So, uh... Yeah, it makes no sense. So, yeah, just buy it from the original website. That's the that's the way to go. Just get a new one <laughs> in a box or or an old one on eBay and uh, whatever you can find. But yeah, these versions from Gawk or Steam are a bit sketchy. But at, at least they still offer the original, so that's something I guess. Yeah, but yeah, still I don't know. Works. They're quite expensive, aren't they? Relatively. Yeah, they're like 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 a dollar more than um the box copy from, from Adventuresoft.com. Yeah, that makes no sense. So there you go. Right. Is there anything else to mention about this game before we wrap up? I think we've gone through a lot of the things. Right. Okay, well, then it's just conclusion time. Conclusion time. Conclusion time. We, sh- we should make some jingle for that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's that's a thing we can do. So um, I'll start with you, Florian, because you're the one suggesting this game. Okay. So d- did you have any hopes? And, yes. and, and did they hold up? Did they, you know, was it what you expected? Yeah, I actually had quite high hopes for the game, and I think they were fulfilled mostly. Huh. So I really enjoyed playing the game. Um, I mean, especially because we did our um, our play together sessions, which was really helpful in not getting stuck mm. and still not needing a walkthrough or something. Mm-hmm. So that that was helpful. But all in all, the graphic style, um, the audio with with some minor drawbacks, maybe the puzzles. I just enjoyed being in this this weird, crazy world. So I thought it was fun. Even if the difficulty curve is maybe upside down. But other than that, it's it's a pretty good game. Yeah. I, I would totally rec- recommend playing anyone who has some love for adventure games. They should play it. Yeah. But they probably already have. So. Well, yeah. But if... Well, actually, I, I think... I'm not sure if that's true. I think a lot of people miss this game as well. Uh, because it's not from any of the big like it's not from Lucas or Sierra so Mm. I think this is a quickly overlooked game and well there's really no need to not play it because it's just as good as any of the any of the competitors I think well any of the earlier Lucas games I mean um, compared to Day of if if you ask me do you want Day of the Tentacle or Simon the Sorcerer I know which one I would pick and it would be Simon the Sorcerer yeah but just play both I mean come on (laughs) <laughs> well, yes, sure. But if, if you asked me, uh, I don't know, um, Maniac Mansion or Sam the Sorcerer, I'd probably pick Sam the Sorcerer. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So, yeah, it's it's maybe harder for you, Richard, to, I mean... You... Yeah, it's hard to judge when you remember all the answers to all the puzzles and the... Yeah, exactly. The, the humors, I kind of know most half the lines. I th- <laughs> but <laughs> it's... I, th- I, th- I think it holds up. I think it's probably among the better games, to be honest, of the era. Yeah. So I, th- I think it definitely holds up. I think this sort of adventure game is fairly timeless, really. Because mm-hmm. it's, I mean, it, in many ways, it looks nicer than a lot of the stuff the likes of Wadjitai would turn out today, graphically. <sighs> well, I think those games are also really. Well, deliberate, they're deliberately going for an old style. So. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, it, 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 I mean, I was just not um, expecting a whole lot and I was still really very much impressed by the whole thing. And yeah, it just holds up remarkably well, in my opinion. And uh, I I now wonder why I didn't really play this more back in the day because I had it, but 
I, I can't explain it. I think maybe the beginning, you need you somehow need to push through the beginning. Yeah, maybe it's that. But can can be a bit tedious and and, and overwhelming. I, I do encourage people to do that because there's a whole cool world there to explore. And it's all really funny and it's just yeah. But if you do draw a paper map of at least of the forest region. Mm. Yeah, which is like eighty mm-hmm. percent yes. of the game. So, so I, I think <laughs> if you if you do that, you won't get lost a lot, and it's it's much easier to play it that way. And I think maybe when I when I was younger, I would never have had the idea to even draw a paper map. Only years and years of, of wow. um, multi-user online dungeons. Um, they they taught me to draw paper maps of games, and that's really what I needed for this mm. game. So that's that's what you really yeah. need to do, right? That's a good tip. So yeah, play play this cool game uh, and draw a map. That's cool. <laughs> um, that's Simon the Sorcerer, I think. Yep. Mm-hmm. Oh, so yeah, what's going on otherwise? Um, it's it's the la- last couple of days of July now, so we'll we'll try to get this episode out by August first. Might might slip a day. Uh, we'll see, but you know, we'll. Uh, it's good. It's, it's going to be a lot of work, but we're we're going to make. We'll, it work. we'll do our best. Um, anyway, July we spent playing the Lost Vikings, which is a game by Blizzard when they were not yet called Blizzard. Blizzard, but not Blizzard. Yeah, and it's a puzzle platformer, and it's actually it turns out to be pretty fun. So yeah, we'll talk about that next. Uh, in August, we're returning with another adventure game because we have to yes. keep the adventure year going, right? So, Of course we have. Exactly. And in August, the game we're looking at is a Star Trek, the 25th anniversary. So actually, that's for us starting in a few days. Uh, I'm looking forward to this one. It, it seems like a cool game. It's like the TV show wrapped in a game. So <laughs> Yeah, I'm always, always a bit cautious when it mm. comes to TV and, and movie adaptions right. either way um, from game to movie or the other way around and mm-hmm. we'll see how, how no, I, that goes I mean there yeah. have been a few good Star Trek games so maybe this one will be another one no you'll enjoy it if you, as long as you like the original Star Trek you'll enjoy it yeah from what I've heard this is just a good game so I, I like all of Star Trek except the original series <laughs> no, well, we might have a problem there. <laughs> <laughs> is this the one with the Darth Vader stuff <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, we'll be fine. We'll be fine. Uh, next up in September, we're playing Carmageddon. So that's uh, a, a change of pace. Uh, we decided this through a Twitter poll, right? Mm-hmm. We had a bunch of games up. I don't remember which ones exactly. Uh, Raptor, Carmageddon, and one more. Oh, uh, Jones in the Fast Lane. Yeah. Oh, yes, yes. That was a crazy lineup. Um, so yeah, Carmageddon won out of these. It's uh, it's been the second time that Raptor lost a poll, so <laughs> I think I'll just have to to make yeah. a, a executive board decision at one point to play Raptor. <laughs> yeah, I agree. I agree. We we should just the next slot that comes up we should fill with Raptor because that's it's been a while since we had a shooter on. But yes. well, for September we'll have Carmageddon, the three D racing game I'm gonna say <laughs> uh yeah it's terrible uh, it's not terrible it's it's I mean it's great but it's it's that typical terrible 90s ultra violent let's kill grandmas running down the streets blood everywhere it's I don't know I don't know if such a game would come out today it's a bit I don't know 
But you know, I, I know I, I played it, but I can't remember anything about the game. So, except actually, that it was very violent. So. It's very violent, yeah. I actually replayed it not long ago. And it's it's just weird. It's it's fun though. I mean it's yeah, it's cool, but it's really weird. So we'll we'll dive into that. And I hope actually people will be able to play it because apparently it's really difficult to get it running in DOSBox. So uh, that well, will be a thing. But we'll see. We'll see. Maybe it will be an episode with only people with actual old computers. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, right, so that's it for us. Uh, if you like this DOS game uh, stuff, head over to our website, DOS Game Club, to check out more. That's where we have forums where people discuss the games. You can also suggest games there. <laughs> An ever-growing list of game suggestions. Yeah. But I so think it, it has slowed down a bit, right? So the first year we got like 200 yeah, suggestions, and yeah. then the last year was like like 20. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, we'll we'll have a chance to go actually through them yeah. now. So I guess all the all the good games are are now in the suggestion box, which is good because we can now just no, pick any good game. There's, there's loads. There's loads. Have putting on. Ah. I think I might just take this as a sort of nudge to do it. Actually, <laughs> yeah, that's that's the idea. So there, no, there's loads more. So you can suggest a game. Uh, you can also send in a voice message, please. It would be nice if people do this. Uh, Send them to club at dosgameclub.com. Say something about the game we're playing, and then we'll play it, and you'll be part of the show. So that's fun. Or just Please. just just send us gener- general DOS gaming stuff. That's fine too. That's fine too. Anything. We'd just like to hear from people. Mm-hmm. You know, that's cool. Um, you can also chat with us in our IRC uh, chat room. It's really the best place, I think. <laughs> Yeah, that's probably the best place if you want to speak to us directly. Uh, we're on Afternet. We're called DOS Game Club. So, yeah, you can just join there. And it's the old school way of chatting. Uh, a, a bit less old school is Twitter, where we're also called DOS Game Club. Um, it's where we run polls and and just notify people of the episodes and just general DOS stuff. So, yeah, that's if you're on Twitter, that's that's the place to follow us. Uh, and last but not least, if you're if you're listening to this in a podcasting app such as iTunes or I don't know Amazon or whatever is out there, um, if it's possible to leave a rating, please do because that helps us to get the word out to other people. And again, we just like to hear from you people. So you know that's just a fun thing to have for us the feedback. And absolutely the... right. That's it. So yeah. Thanks, thanks a lot for, for being on, guys. Well, it's my, my job. <laughs> <laughs> well, still thanks you for, yeah. for doing your job, Florian. <laughs> and yeah. thanks, Richard, for joining, yeah. whose, whose job not is being on, on the show, but still is. Well, you can, you can pay me if you want. I'm, I'm well, we don't actually have any money. But <laughs> You know, I, I wish my real boss would, would say, thank you for doing your job. <laughs> it's like, well, it's, it's, I'm grateful, you know. I also don't feel like a boss. Oh, what is this? Anyway, uh, yeah, that's it. Thank you, and and see you all next time. Yep, see you next time. Bye. Bye. No, try again. Uh, acetic? No, try again. Uh, acid? No, try again. Uh, acne? No, try again.